0: Welcome, 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 to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex, and I'm joined by the full squad today in 757. Mickey the Blue, what's good, bro?
1: I'm tired. I haven't eaten dinner, uh, but duty calls, man.
0: Facts. Mike McDaniel, how are you feeling?
2: Doing all right. A uh, couple days till Thanksgiving, so I'll be feeling real good on Thanksgiving.
0: i will be good. It'd be a good day. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good right now, but uh <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I meant in a different sense, yeah. <laughs> far from the hip. But you know, it is coaching carousel season. Virginia Tech Football hasn't experienced this. We got an interim head coach. He's got a loss in the books and a big game on the horizon. I'm sure we'll cover it all. But first, we got to thank the good old sponsor over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. You guys give a pretty nice shout out to Jeremy on the last podcast before I arrived late due to the basketball game. I echo everything that you guys say. But uh, let's get it started here. I guess we should kick things off with recapping the Miami game a little bit. Yeah. That's it. Okay, that sounds good. I, I, I know it feels so inconsequential, but had we won, we'd have talked about this game for like 45 minutes, had J.C. Price is some sort of genius. But, you know, ultimately the effort comes up short. Virginia Tech goes down big early, uh, pass coverage, defense, nowhere to be found in the first quarter and for most of the first half and Virginia tech found themselves in a hole that they were unable to climb out of. There was uh, a lot of fight there and they pulled within five before stalling out late in the game. And that pretty much was the story. Ricky, I know you were more than ecstatic. It's hard to find a word in the lead up to JC prices debut. What were your thoughts on the Hokies game down there in uh, South Florida?
1: Tech came out flat, and that was that was really su- surprising to me. Um, they they did not find a rhythm offensively. Uh, but the the biggest issue for most of the game was just how bad Tech's defense was on the back end. I mean, it was t- Tyler Van Dyke was playing Madden for basically the first half. I mean, it was it was really uh, shocking. We haven't seen, I, I think, I think the ESPN put up a graphic in the middle of the, of the, the game, something along the lines of tech hadn't allowed a 300 yard passer in such a, such a period of time. And, um, I mean, if you think about it, like Tech's, Tech's defensive backfield has been, uh, decent for most of the year, but I, I think some of us had lost how productive they had been. Um, and with the healthy unit, they got torched. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke had almost whatever he wanted in the first half, and even in the second half, uh, after Tech's run there, kind of in the middle of the game, Tech's defense still kind of floundered. Um, Just a really disappointing effort. I mean, and for me, this game was just a, a confirmation of exactly what Virginia Tech's problem is and that's that the roster isn't good enough we can we can complain about coaches all day long and and most of those complaints are 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 warranted but ultimately Tech just doesn't have enough good players on the roster I mean Jermaine Waller is the number one corner on this team and we've we've been praising him as an NFL guy for most of the year he looked lost in this game for most of it he had Two chances for picks. He dropped both of them. And every other time he was getting beaten coverage where his back was facing the quarterback. Um, Virginia tech had to turn to their backup quarterback in this game. Um, and he was basically just a battering ram. Miami has turned to their backup quarterback and he's the best passer on the roster. Um Everywhere you look, Miami is just better than Virginia Tech on the roster, just in terms of talent. And that's, well, maybe not at running back, um, but my, Miami is just a better football team in, in terms of talent wise. And um, what's frustrating is that, you know, Miami has all this talent and they're six and five, and Virginia Tech is so far behind and they're five and six. Um, imagine what Tech could be if they had a roster that was capable of competing at this level. And one last point really quick to kind of sum everything up. Um, If, if the, the monsoon that, that took over this game after basically the first quarter doesn't happen. I don't know how much tech loses by, but it's not what they ended up losing by what they lose by in this game. What it end up being like 12 or something? 12. Yeah. Yeah. 38, 26. They lose by 24. If, if the rain doesn't pick up like it did in the second half so um this game was close for a bit but outside of that small that that small window of time this game didn't feel close and it felt like miami just couldn't really put tech away but tech never really felt like they could compete outside of that short window
0: mike what are your thoughts man
2: yeah, I echo everything Rick said. The only thing I'm going to add is that if Connor Blumberg comes back next year, I think Virginia Tech can can use him. Maybe not, not at quarterback, but he was good, man. Like athletic, you know, ran the ball well, gave Tech a spark. If he comes back, I'm not necessarily interested in him playing quarterback full time, but I think there are other ways to use him as an offensive weapon. He was really good. I was impressed by him.
0: Yeah, that's fair. You know, you could totally see him fitting into, like, some sort of H-back role in the future. You know, if if Virginia Tech were to find a competent starting quarterback to fill that role, but, you know, the Blumrich-Burmeister dichotomy is not going to be a uh, coherent plan going forward. J.C. Price called it a moral victory. Do you consider it to be as much?
1: Not really. I mean – it was a moral victory in the sense that they didn't quit, I guess. I mean, and but that's but that but that's been the thing about this team all year. I mean, uh, outside of short um, spurts, Tech hasn't quit. Tech's played hard for most of the season. And they've only had a, a couple of times where they, they looked like they were just completely not, not in it mentally. Uh, otherwise, Tech's played hard all year. It's just they're not that good and that's the, the, the really frustrating part of it is that you can't fix talent, right? You, you can't fix your, your roster's talent in the middle of the season. You can generally fix your team's mindset and you can get guys motivated in the middle of the year. You can't make them better in the middle of the year more often than not. And that means you're, you're inherently limited in what you can do. And, um, Virginia Tech just hasn't gotten better all year, and it's just not going to happen. Um, this is this is who Tech is. This is the roster that Justin Fuente built, and it's not very good, obviously, or else they wouldn't be five and six and and three and four in the ACC. Um, that's just not going to cut it, you know. When when your number one corner gets absolutely torched by by Charleston Rambo, who um, is a good receiver in his own right but jermaine waller just did look like he wasn't able to compete with him it looked like a total mismatch when you've got guys just running free in the secondary you know for most of the first half um you are struggling to tackle um it was just a a real problem from start to finish uh, quite frankly and uh i'm a little disappointed that that that, that the, the talent gap is that far between these two teams. Cause again, Miami's six and five. It, it, Miami's not that good of a football team.
2: I came away. I came away from it. Less thinking that like, I didn't think that tech was just like drastically overmatched. They just didn't look very well coached. I mean, and that that's been the, the bigger thing for me. I mean, there were guys just running wide open all over the field. I mean, Rambo's really good. Like he played receiver at Oklahoma transferred to Miami. He's been great all year. But, like, guys were just running wide open. They were just, like, coverage busts everywhere. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, like, this is really, really poor. And I, I wholeheartedly agree uh, with with the weather point that you made, Ricky. Like, if it didn't just start literally monsooning out, like, Miami would have kept throwing. And Miami hasn't run the ball that great really all year. Um, and they kind of had to. And – that drove him off the field a couple times. But I, I was telling you guys in the preview, man, like Tyler Van Dyke's really good. Like they got something, at quarterback, which is, which is bad news for, for the coastal. <laughs> like if they're able to ever put it together on the other side of the ball, because Van Dyke's the most competent passing quarterback they've had there in a really long time. I mean, he's better. In, I, I mean, the, the last competent quarterback they had from a passing standpoint was probably Brad Kaya. You, are you him.
0: saying that De'Aaron King's not a competent passer?
2: Uh, not like that, no. Not on the not, same not level. Not like that. Now, no. I mean, King, King does King does enough in the passing game, but the explosive plays deep down the field, I mean, they haven't had that in the passing game since Kaya, and I think Van Dyke's better than Kaya. So, man, I don't know. That That's – we haven't seen Miami's offense operate like that from an explosive passing play standpoint in a long time.
0: Yeah, it should – Certainly uh, be something for Virginia Techs to certainly be something for Virginia Tech fans to to look for going forward. Obviously you have a, a competent North Carolina program in the way that they're recruiting overall. I mean, what are they at right now in the 24-7 rankings, right? Like 10. Yeah,
2: they're gonna have a top top 15 class in
1: all likelihood but at work. Miami does that almost every year though. For for
0: I am saying UNC, and then I'm saying Miami with the, the guy that they have a quarterback right now. Adding the skill players on the outside and new leadership at athletic director presumably new leadership at head coach I don't know if that's going to be a 2022 thing or
2: I I got and I got I, I bucket Carolina with Miami until further notice like I don't we gotta we gotta see Carolina put it together confidently with Mac Brown we've seen the recruiting the recruiting's great there's no question I'm not disputing the recruiting at all it's just the the on-field product because they have a talented roster now that's not really producing. And, you know, Howell in all likelihoods, going to the NFL. I know he did the song and dance where he was like, Oh yeah, I might come back. I, he's I, he's I think not he's going staying. To the like he's there's no reason. What, what's the, what's the purpose? So no, he, he no, the,
1: the, 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 there is no chance that he stays. And, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, Carolina Miami are almost the same program right now in terms of, They've got a lot of flash. They recruit really well. They're not winning on the field. Um, yeah. Now, that being said, if they're if those two schools ever figure it out, then that's going to be a problem. But um, for now, that's their their inability to play competent football on a regular basis is what's keeping Tech in contention.
0: I mean, f- fair maybe, but. North Carolina, you know, to group them in with Miami, Miami has been pulling in these big time recruits for years and years and years, and they haven't been able to get it together. North Carolina is still in the infancy stage of, you know, having a high powered recruiting machine. So I I think it's unfair to judge them in the same lens that you would judge Miami because, you know, football programs aren't turned around overnight, but it seems like North Carolina has all the steps in place. And once you have the talent and the depth of talent in the room, it's the exception rather than the rule that you don't have it together, especially in a weaker division like the ACC Coastal, right?
2: It's just the on field product part of it. Like Mac Brown had a lot of talented teams at Texas. He won once he had Vince Young, like from a national championship standpoint. Like, I, I think by the time they get enough recruiting classes in there, Mac's gonna retire, right? Like he's 70, isn't he? Like or pushing 70 anyway. Um younger than Saban. Yeah, okay, so yeah, Saban older just older than 70, David Cutcliffe. So so
1: but, Saban just But do you 70. actually feel like that Saban is gonna get out before Mac Brown does? Because no. I don't no, no, no. no. Saban Saban's said the other day he was
0: coaching till he's 80. Don't believe that, but you know.
1: I well Alabama kind of coaches itself almost at this point, right? Like the, the machine that Nick Saban has built, like Saban could play golf every other day during the year and Bama would still win 10, 11 games. Um, So, but you know, for kind of circling this all back to tech, it's just, it's a matter of the roster just not being good enough. And Virginia tech's next head coach is going to have a lot of holes to fill and uh, he's not going to be able to fill all of them in one or maybe even two years. It's going to be kind of a long-term process. I mean, he can can abuse the transfer portal and and try and bring in a ton of guys, but all those are just Band-Aids. At a certain point, you have to build the program from the ground up, and whoever the next head coach is is going to have a a tough time doing that.
0: Yeah, I think we saw the late state – I think we saw with the late stage Fuente era that filling gaps via the transfer portal can only do so much. But as I transition this conversation to the coaching search, I'll start with a question. Now, Virginia Tech fans are clamoring for success. And given the weakness of the final two recruiting classes under Justin Fuente, given the attrition that we're likely to see at the end of the season, both to the NFL or transferring to other schools. The cupboard is going to be left bare, and it's not going to be an overnight process. What's a realistic timeline, like a best realistic possible case scenario, if you will, for Virginia Tech fans to start scratching the surface of the results they want to see?
1: I mean, Regardless mean the can, coaches. You can get a, a pretty decent team within two years, but if you're looking for... S- success that is sustainable, that's going to take at least three and maybe yep. even longer. Um, you, can, you can bring in enough transfers to, to plug some holes and, and get your, your team playing at a, a, a competent level within a two-year period. Um, and I think there is some talent on Tech's roster where they could, they could theoretically be like an eight-win team next year depending on how things shake in the in the ACC but if we're being honest it's probably going to take at least two years for Tech to get to what Tech fans will consider a really good year and it's going to take at least three years probably longer uh, for Virginia Tech to build a, a a program that is on the track to sustainable success where we can we can sit here, you know, in August every year and count on Tech winning eight to ten games on a consistent basis. That, that, that takes a lot of time, um, and it would be shocking if Tech was able to do that within a two-year period.
2: I, agree. I totally agree on the timeline. I think that's right on the money. Uh, the only thing I'll add is that whoever the coach ends up being, I think is inheriting a better program, but is not necessarily inheriting a better team than Fuente did with Beamer. Um, I don't think this team that is being inherited by this upcoming coaching staff is nearly as talented as the one that Fuente got when he won 10 games in 2016. So uh, to Rick's point, if, you know, and, and I agree with what Ricky said too, like the eight win threshold next year, depending on who stays um, from some of the underclassmen is not out of the question, but I think, to win 10 games, it would take a bunch of transfers that like high level, high end transfers to come in and contribute right away. And there's just no way of knowing if that's going to happen and who's going to leave. So it's really hard to predict, but I'd be hard pressed to see the team and, and the roster is currently constituting winning 10 games like Fuente did in his first year with whoever the new coach is. And the, the fan base needs to be a little bit patient too and understand that even if the results aren't there, Next year, it doesn't mean that the coach doesn't know what the hell he's doing, right? There's there's ways to um, there's ways to see progress and growth when you're undergoing a coaching change and a new regime and a new era of football and a transition period. There's things that you can look at to see progress other than wins and losses in year one. Um, in some cases, like Georgia Tech, now I know that the year three with Georgia Tech isn't going well, but my point being, like year one with Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins, it was such a like huge rebuild they were totally changing identities from triple option to like a regular offense but year one like they didn't even know what the hell they were running on offense because they just didn't have any personnel and then year two you started to see like okay we see what they want to do it's gonna be like a spread like a normal offense but it's not gonna be that drastic of a change with whoever the new coach is uh but i caution tech fans that the results aren't there in year one don't don't all of a sudden panic and and freak out it's not there are ways to measure progress without the wins in the first year with the new coach.
0: You mentioned returning players on the roster and maybe I'm having fun in reading tea leaves, but the Rolling Oak no times, Mike Dizlik writes an article today about Trey Turner's decision to test those NFL waters. And it's retweeted by James Mitchell saying, we're going to miss you here in Blacksburg, big play Trey. Does that mean James Mitchell's coming back? Is there any chance he should come back or will it come back? Could Virginia tech have one of those big impact players from this year's roster, whose season was cut short, whose presence was certainly missed in the red zone at critical junctures during games this year that were it'd close. Be, it'd be Could he great, be back?
2: It'd be great to have him, but I am not counting on it, <laughs> but it would no. be great. It would be great to have him.
1: Highly, highly doubtful that, that he comes back and, Um, I think he could do himself some good by coming back, you know, having, having your, your final college year cut short due to injury, um, underutilized under the, the, the Fuente Cornelson regime, you take a chance on a a brand new coach, obviously, but you have to, I don't know, you don't have to, but you know, you're, your reasoning would be that the new coach is going to look and see, okay, well, James Mitchell's coming back; he's one of the better weapons on the roster. Let's try it and 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 build our scheme a little bit around him so we can utilize the tight ends more. Uh, I I would I would hope that the next head coach would do that, considering the lack of proven talent on at wide receiver. Which one? Quick note from my from from the game at Miami: Tech's receivers made some really good plays. Um, whether it be Trey Turner, Dwayne Lofton, Caleb Smith, there were some really nice catches in this game. Jalen Jones had a nice yeah, one Jalen too. Yeah, Jalen Jones had a really nice one yeah. over the middle. Uh, no idea if they, if they can replicate that moving forward, but that was certainly kind of fun to watch because we have not seen those guys impact the game whatsoever all season long. But if you're James Mitchell, there is some upside to coming back. Obviously, there's downside in that you have another injury, or you have kind of a, an underwhelming campaign and all of a sudden you're two years removed from being a, a productive tight end in, in, at the college level. But again, I don't think it's likely, but I do think that James could benefit from coming back and and take a chance on himself and bet on himself next year.
2: I mean, Mitchell put his name in with the draft and then like last year, right? And obviously got feedback that, made him come back to school. And my guess is that after playing only two and a half games this year, there's probably not enough tape to show that he's improved in the areas that he needed to improve in. I mean, Carolina is the only, well, like quality opponent tech played right. Um, during that stretch. So if I'm James Mitchell and I don't think that I put, and this is just an assumption. if I don't think I've put enough on tape I see who the coach is coming in. I see how he's utilized the tight ends in the past with his offenses, right? Um, If I like it, great, maybe stick around tech. If not, I would consider transferring to a school where he can improve upon whatever he needs to improve upon to to go into the NFL draft. Um, Or if you, you were okay with the grade you got last year and you just felt like you could improve your stock even more, Um, and you think you're going to get that same grade or you put your name in and get that same grade and maybe you're in the third or fourth round range and you're okay with that, then maybe Mitchell just comes out just for risk of further injury.
0: Yeah, it's certainly an exercise in risk analysis and what have you, because if he comes back and dominates next year and does a lot of the things that tech fans and some scouts expected him to do, you you end up in the first, second round another knee injury, or like you said, Mike, maybe that knee injury took a toll and you underwhelm and, and that does it. And you miss out on what could have been a later draft pick and end up not getting drafted at all. But talking about the returning roster, I'll say who are the best players that are going to return for tech. And if you're a coach evaluating the situation, to what degree do you take into account the players that you're going to inherit? the roster that you're going to inherit, or do you look at it more from a program-wide, a resource-oriented lens when you make that choice? Does the roster as it stands not necessarily matter to you?
1: If you're coming to Virginia Tech, you're not coming here because of talent on the roster. You're coming because you have a ACC program with a storied history, an increasing athletic budget, um some 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 success with bigger donors you're coming to a program that is uniquely positioned in a power five conference but also a terrible division at least in terms of win loss so you have a much easier chance to compete for a conference title than you would in some of the other divisions at the power five level i don't think you're really worried that much about the roster uh wow. cuz you're you're not the expectations at Virginia Tech are not going to be when you're one or or you're gone right like and they're not even going to be when year 2 and you're gone you need to show some signs of improvement in those first two years but any coach is going to believe that they can do that regardless of where they go so i don't think that the um I don't think that the the talent remaining on the roster is going to be that big of a a deciding factor. In terms of the talent that's going to be remaining on the roster, I have no idea what this roster is going to look like in a month and a half. I mean, this roster could look completely different. There might be, you know, more than a dozen guys that that enter the portal once the the, the season's over. So I have no idea. I mean, if you if you assume that most of these guys are coming back, you obviously look at you know someone like Malachi Thomas as a guy that you can build around next year. If we're able to keep Raheem Blackshear around, that's another guy that you can you can kind of scheme your offense and build around. I know he didn't look very good in this game, but Dorian Strong is someone at corner that has been a bit underwhelming, but someone that has some talent that you can obviously work with. I'm just scrolling through the roster here looking for names. Tabion. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, that's – Tavion Robinson is, is is definitely a great player. And as as a Tech fan, you really hope he doesn't go elsewhere. Nasir Peoples, Keontae Jenkins at safety. Um, you, you have to hope that Dax can be better next year, but I'm really not all that confident. Um, Alan Tisdale is someone who's underachieved so far at Virginia Tech uh, but has some 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 skills maybe Taiwan Garbutt comes back someone who's been at least reliable defensive end even though he hasn't really been explosive Dean Ferguson is a guy at linebacker that's kind of gotten some run later in games maybe he's somebody that you can you know kind of coach up a little Uh, Parker Clements on the offensive line I think he's probably going to be a starter for the next few years Uh, I I think he can be at least a competent player up front
0: Tanuda um, is Tanuta a pro prospect right now, or do you think he comes back? He's not a pro
1: prospect. He's got, I mean, he's, he is.
2: He is. He absolutely is. You don't think he is?
1: I mean, maybe down the road, but not after this year. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not imminently. I mean, but he's he's eventually. got tools. Yeah, so obviously yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. That, that, that length, the arms, he's pretty athletic, but he, did not, he has not played all that great this year. He's... He's playing out of position, right? He's not a left tackle. Agree.
2: Agree. Put him at right tackle. He, he
1: has he yep. has the length to play left tackle, but he's he's not the elite kind of talent that you really want at left tackle. He's much better suited on the right side. He was much better last year. He can he can get to the league, but not after this year. He's got to come back, I think, or go to another school and 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 try and put some better tape out there otherwise right, he's a, he's a lucky sixth or seventh round draft pick and maybe a udfa he would be much better suited coming back and and even if he does play left tackle again next year he's got to put some better film on
2: yeah agree agree with that uh the, the only thing i was going to say like to kind of circle back Caden to the... Moore, another guy okay oh, Cade. yeah Caden Moore, yeah definitely um He's actually been all right. He's been all right. He hasn't been too bad. as a true I mean, freshman. for a true
1: freshman, I'm not I'm not really upset with the way he's played. I'm really hoping that Jesse Hansen does something next year. He was a big commitment when Tech got him out of Baudatot, and he just hasn't broken through yet. But with Lasita Smith gone, Brock Hoffman gone, Johnny Jordan's gone, uh, there's gonna be a lot of room in the interior for for guys to play. And Hanson seems like a shoe in for guard, probably left guard. Um, he's someone that tech really needs to step up and play big, big uh, minutes next year.
2: The, uh, the one thing I was going to mention uh, is you don't, you don't take the job because of the roster as currently stands. You you take the job because of the talent you can put on the roster. So If a coach believes he can do that, he's going to take the Virginia Tech job. I think having talent on the roster going into next year is just a bonus because it accelerates the rebuild.
0: So, you know, as we look at the coaching search as it stands right now, and obviously people are – Trying to read the tea leaves left and right. That's Scott, baby. Yeah. So we have Mike's brother-in-law. Oh, God. Scott Savina, a.k.a. Got the Rocket Man. He's got the spreadsheet going now.
2: He's got spreadsheet a spreadsheet, Scott. Spreadsheet, Scott, baby. Hey, Scott, Flight I owe you a
0: block bagel and a shot next time I see you for I, the I, hard work <laughs> you're putting in for us.
2: I'll tell you, I'll tell you man, this is, this is what happens when your NFL team is absolutely terrible on Monday Night Football. You get tracking flights and spreadsheets of the track flights.
0: <laughs> but regardless you know can, can we narrow down a candidate list at this point can we put a list of four or five names any I idea mean, someone anything please I mean, give me something to hold on to so i feel
1: like billy Napier's not happening i don't but, think so either it's just a, this- it's just a hunch especially now with florida open yeah it feels like Napier is going to have basically two SEC jobs to choose from, whether it be LSU or Florida. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm some, I'm moderately confident that he gets hired at one of those two programs. Here's,
2: here's the thing with that too. It's like we're going to find out real quick how high Virginia Tech is on Napier's list because, and the reason why I say that, not necessarily in regard to the LSU job, because I don't think based on like people who are in the know, who are like reporting at the athletic, you know, people, Pete Thamel, Yahoo, like people actually reporting on it, like Napier's on LSU's list, but it doesn't seem like they're like, he's their first choice. So I I think based on like what I've read and I talked to a Florida guy for the national pod I do at sons of Saturday today, who's pretty tied in there. Napier is one of Florida's top choices, right? So, Napier, if he's as high on the list for Whit Babcock as people think that he is, um, and if he's as high on the list at Florida as people think that he is, we're going to find out real quick how high Napier views the Virginia Tech job. Like, is this the place he wants to go? If he's choosing
1: between Tech and Florida, it's Florida, and it's not a question. I, I
2: see... I, I agree. Like, I would choose Florida, but I think if you're if you're Napier, uh, and I, I'm going to try to play devil's advocate here, even though I agree with you, Rick. Like, if you're Napier and you look at the Florida job and you look at the expectations there, and if you don't think you can get a winning team on the field there in two to three years, like, you're in trouble.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, well, no. Mike like to exactly what you're kind of going for here. Napier is a guy that wants to be the Alabama of wherever he's at. That's kind of all the intel that's been given about him and frankly, you know, you look at him, early 40s, Nick Saban's in his early 70s. I think he might be angling for the Alabama job. Like, where can you succeed at that level? I don't think it's Florida with Kirby Smart in that division with Mark Stoops having in Kentucky as well as they're playing. You know, Tennessee looks like they're on the rise. Shane might have South Carolina on the rise. And frankly, you know, we just saw what happened at Florida. Three New Year's, six bowls, one bad year, and you get SEC out of there. If his ultimate goal is to try to create a path to Alabama – I don't know if what is the place to do it. I mean, that's the only way I could see him taking Virginia Tech over Florida, but it's something to consider. Me too.
2: Me too. Yeah that that was the that's the devil's advocate argument, but I, I agree. Like if Florida's open and Virginia Tech's open, I mean, guys, the better job's Florida. Like we, we know that, you know. So that's the only way I could I could see him being reasonably interested in taking Virginia Tech o- over Florida because Florida's going to pay him more and he's going to have more resources at Florida because of the type of program it is in the sec. Like the Florida job is a better job. Like if you're arguing otherwise, you're just, just not, <laughs> you're not, you're not being honest. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a better job. So I agree. I mean, my, I, I don't know. I mean, my feeling too, is like, I, I think Napier is there, there, are so many big jobs opening. I feel like he's going to get one of those and Him choosing Virginia Tech would mean that he maybe wasn't the top choice at these other schools, or maybe he saw in the scenario we just laid out that Virginia Tech was a better option than Florida. But I think Florida opening changes the calculus of things for, for Napier even more than the LSU job does.
0: Look, I just got breaking news. There is another head coaching opening in Blacksburg. The Blacksburg high school football coach has resigned he has stepped down after two consecutive seasons without a win. Um, Point take it. take. Well, he doesn't for, have to move. Yeah, Loxford, he doesn't Football move.
1: isn't very good. What?
0: No, they've completely gone downhill. They haven't won a oh. game in two years. I mean, when we were wow. in school, they were dominant. But yeah, not the case anymore because everyone look, I will not rule myself out back. as a candidate for the job. Everyone I will not rule freaking myself out
1: that Tech didn't offer Cole Beck until the last minute. Kidding.
2: Also, like, I don't think they've won a game since Colbeck's been gone, right? Like, was he the entire team? I think that
0: I think they had one good year after and then they've been toast. But, uh, all right, so let's just say Napier is off the table theoretically. So, what are we left with? Charles Huff, Dave Clawson, Chadwell. Apparently, Bill O'Brien's picking up some steam. Mike is shaking his head when I say Chadwell. I don't want Chadwell either.
2: No, I don't want Chadwell. I, I, I don't. I mean, look that the reality of it, and we've we talked about this before. The reality of it is that whoever gets hired, we're just going to throw our weight behind, and we're going to see pros and cons of each hire. So, and ultimately, we don't know until we're a few years into it. But with Chadwell in particular, I would like to see some more head coach experience at the FBS level. And and granted, he's done a great job at Coastal, right? He's done a great job, but that's a real that's a real risky hire, and I'm not sure that's something would will be able to pull the trigger on reasonably. Um I know like nationally people are throwing Chadwell's name in there. I just don't I don't see Wit doing that. But I, I don't I didn't see Wit hiring Buzz. I mean Buzz was established, so it's not even the same argument, but like I he does stuff out of left field, right? Like hiring Chadwell to me, like it's on everybody, it's on people's lists, but I just don't really see him doing it. It would be kind of out of left field for me for for him to do that. Cause I just don't think Chadwell's ready for Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, I mean that's certainly a, uh, and we've talked at length about the riskiness of the move and, and risk mitigation for Whit Babcock when it comes to making a hire that will ultimately determine his legacy as the athletic director at Virginia Tech. And I, I don't envision that's the direction he's going in because you know you talked about head coaching experience, the Power Five level. How about any experience at the Power Five level at all? Me Chadwell does not have that on his resume.
2: What do you guys what do you guys think of Huff? What do you guys think of Huff? And Rick, if that's not where you're going with that, feel free to do your point, then we can move on to the Huff thing.
1: Um, I just want to say another name that's not gonna happen is Hugh Freeze. No. Since Hugh Freeze just just signed a um lengthy extension with Liberty, and he's now gonna average four million a year. Um so for all those crazies that thought Hugh Freeze was a candidate, sorry about your luck. In terms of, of Huff, I mean, I I like the fact that he has the, the experience at Bama. Anyone who's coached under Saban immediately has instant credibility with me. Um, that being said, coaching, being the head coach at Marshall is not being the head coach at an ACC program. And... I'm not sure that he's ready to make that jump yet. Um, At this point, there isn't—I don't think there's a candidate out there that is as attractive to me as Dave Clawson, and I'm probably just going to die on that hill. Rick is full Clawson
0: train. I think if you're going, we
1: are fully on the claw crawl. As as Jeremy (laughs) has has so eloquently created, Um, I am fully on board the claw crawl.
2: I think you – so a couple things. I think with Huff, the staff would make all the difference, right, and, and how I perceive that hire. Um, I, I mean, I think from a recruiting standpoint, uh, we know he can recruit. I mean, he was Saban's top assistant. He's highly regarded as one of the – you know, widely regarded, excuse me, as one of the top recruiters in the country, um, you know, as he was coming up through the assistant coach ranks. From Maryland, went to Hampton. I think he's he'd established the relationships in the seven five seven, reestablished those, and in the eight oh four. Um, being an African American coach and paving, you know that that new road at Virginia Tech, it would be kind of a, it would be a historic hire. I think that some high school kids would be drawn to playing, uh, playing for a school that just made a historic hire like that. I think that would play to some kids. I also just think naturally him being from the seven, five, seven area would help. Uh, So, and, and then the one thing we don't know about Huff, I mean, he gains credibility from being on Saban staff, but in game management and stuff like that as a head coach, we only have, I mean, they're, they're what they're six and four or seven and four at this point, I think seven and four, I believe after this past weekend, we only have 11 games of, like in-game management data with Huff, right? So you're a little bit limited in that regard to, to Ricky's point. Uh, with Clawson, we know he can coach offense. He's done more, than, more with less at, at Wake, you know, when considering the type of athlete that they can recruit within the confines of the school. He's won everywhere he's been. He's won at Fordham. He's won at Bowling Green. Uh, there's another school I'm leaving off uh, before he got to Wake Didn't Wars. he
1: win at Richmond?
2: Richmond, thank you. Richmond, yes. So Richmond, Bowling Green, um, he, he's a guy who can come in and he'll have an offense that's clicking in relatively short order. The thing that gives me pause with Clausen is he's never found a way to replace Mike Elko when Elko was the defense coordinator at Wake. Like Their defenses have been pretty bad since then. But with that being said, too, I, I think there are some restrictions uh, at Wake Forest that make it difficult to hire a defensive coordinator that he would need to hire to replace a guy like Mike Elko. I think he got he was fortunate and lucky that he was able to get Mike Elko a little bit earlier on before he started gaining all this clout. <laughs> he leaves Wake Forest, goes to ND, turns the Notre Dame defenses around, and then goes to AM. And am has got one of the top defenses in the country. So we know Elko can coach defense, um, so it's tough for Clawson to replace that at Wake Forest. I don't think he'd have as big of a problem at this current state of Virginia Tech's program uh, where the funding's at to hire a, a competent defensive staff. A few years ago, when the, uh, when, when the staff was you know, trying to replace Bud Foster, and they're going after Barry Odom, and there are rumors out there that they couldn't pay him what he wanted, I don't think that would be as big of an issue now with the way that football has been raising money here over the last few years. So if Clawson can hire a defensive staff, I'm not too concerned about the recruiting. I think Clawson would figure that out um, with, with the right staff and we know he can coach offense. They have a top 15 offense in college football at wake forest for God's sakes. And the guys want everywhere he's been. I think, the fan base wouldn't receive Clawson as well as they should, in my opinion, because they're like, oh, he's Wake Forest, Wake 1-7-5. I think people have to understand how difficult it is to win football games at Wake Forest.
1: Wake and, and Forest is on... a football wasteland Yeah. prior to – He can coach, man. Yeah, no, you, he absolutely. Can I mean, he, it's, it's frustrating to me because people need to understand, I think, what kind of program Virginia Tech is right? So tech is not going to recruit in the top 15 probably ever, but let alone on a consistent basis, you win at Virginia tech by developing talent and, and, and finding ways to stock your team with experienced players that you have coached up and, and, and you find guys that are overlooked by other programs. That's how it's going to get done in Blacksburg. It's not going to get done if you're, if you're trying to be Ohio State. It's not going to get done if you're trying to be Alabama. This is a different situation. And if you're looking for someone who can come from behind the eight ball, which is exactly what Wake Forest is, um, and, and, and compete against those above him in terms of stature and prestige and resources, Dave Clawson's done it, and he's been doing it for years. So for me, I don't think there's a better fit right now of of candidates, and I've, I've yet to see anyone, anyone that's been thrown out there. I've yet to see any that have been as good of a a fit at Virginia Tech as Dave Clawson. And so say what, what, all what, what
0: that... the, I say I'm just saying to Rick one sec. What would be your counterpoint to the argument that a lot of people are making that Dave Clawson is a safe high floor, low ceiling candidate that won't necessarily get Virginia Tech to where this fan base wants the program to be.
1: I have my answer. I mean, he raised the ceiling at Wake Forest. That's (laughs) probably the biggest just argument (laughs) against that. I mean, um, I'm going back here and I'm pulling up Wake's records in football just to give people kind of an idea. Like, outside of Jim Grobe, like it like the early like the early Jim Grobe days this program stunk like you go and look in the 90s they were terrible you go and look at the end of the Jim Grove era they were terrible and the the resources that Wake has are limited they have a higher academic standard that they have to recruit to and Clawson's just kind of thrown all that to the side and he's built a a competent program at a school where a competent program shouldn't exist I mean if you're in a world in a world that was more reasonable Wake Forest would suck at football but they don't and they're they're competing with Clemson they're competing with NC State they're competing with these schools that have way more resources and Dave Clawson's going head to toe and Look, I'm not going to act like, you know, Clawson is winning, you know, 10 games every year. He's not. But at a certain point, you've got to you've got to understand that Dave Clawson is doing more with less. And I know people don't like that phrase, but that's what Virginia Tech is. That's what Virginia Tech has always been. And quite frankly, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon.
2: The, the, also the argument or the counterpoint I have to people saying, Oh, he, he can't raise the ceiling at Virginia tech. My argument is where has he been as a head coach that, that he had, hasn't
1: raised the ceiling
2: that he a hasn't raised the ceiling and b name one school he's been at so far in his coaching career as, as the head coach where he's had the resources that he's going to have in Blacksburg.
1: Right. N- nowhere. Nowhere. Never.
2: Not even close, not even close. So that's that's the that's the counter argument. All that to say, I think he's gonna get extended at Wake Forest and stay there. <laughs> so that's my value. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and
1: and and again, if I'm Dave Clawson, I don't I don't know if Virginia Tech is as good of a job in the short term as Wake Forest is. Because if he if he wants to go elsewhere, he's probably better off staying at Wake and building on that program and continuing to win football games when he probably shouldn't be winning football games. Whereas if he goes to Tech, he's taking on a massive rebuild. So he can continue to win at Wake, and in one to two years, he can have you know pick wherever the hell he wants to go and name his salary. So I I, I'm a huge Dave Clawson fan. I really hope Virginia Tech hires him. I think he would be a tremendous hire. I think he would win at Tech. Um, I'm not all that confident that he's going to get hired, and I think I'm going to be pretty disappointed in whoever the hire is relative to where I wanted them to go.
2: Wow. That's a statement. Did yeah,
0: seriously. So Ricky, if it's I, not, I don't no, 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 no,
2: Andrew, 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 I got this one. So you're saying that if it's not Dave Kloss and you're going to be disappointed,
1: probably
2: based on, based on what, how
1: can you say that based on the candidates that are out there? We don't, we don't really know though. Do we like, do we I really mean, know? I, I mean, the chances of Whip Babcock pulling out a name that no one has heard of is unlikely, right? I got one. Go. Well, it's, not it.
2: that, it's not that nobody's heard of. I just no nobody's really talking about it. Matt Campbell at Iowa State.
1: Okay, you're going off the flat tri- flight tracker season, and I, I get that. <laughs> um, That'd be a heist. I would be. I, I would be ecstatic if they hire. <laughs> yeah, but I'm me not. Too. I'm not considering Campbell as a serious candidate. I'm looking at. I'm looking at guys like Charles Huff or Jamie Chadwell or all these other guys that we've named. They're not Dave Clawson, and I'll be disappointed. Now, if if Witt proves me wrong, fantastic. I'll be. I'd be thrilled. But given the names I've seen, and given the, the the context of the landscape at the moment, where there are a lot of competitive jobs. I don't think that there is a coach out there that Virginia tech could realistically hire that I will be as happy about as Dave Clausen.
2: And I love Clausen, right? I love Clausen. I, you know, you guys know I'm a Wake Forest truther. You know, I love Dave (laughs) Clausen. but I don't see, I personally, like, I don't see Dave Clausen as like far and away the bet. Like, I think he's better. I think he's like more proven than Huff and, uh, you, know, you he think really he's more proven than Huff? Well, I know he's more proven than Huff. He is. He's more proven than Huff. But, like, if you put Dave Clawson and, and Billy Napier side-by-side, and I look at Napier's assistant coach experience and where he's been at, and I, I, I can't tell you that if Virginia Tech decides to hire Billy Napier instead of Dave Clawson, I'm going to be, like, totally torn one way or the other, like, real upset about it, I guess is where I'm at.
1: I if will be just disappointed because I think Clawson is That's the better That's insane. Fit. That's crazy. I mean, I, agree I don't to disagree. think that's crazy. Agree to disagree. If I, if I think Dave Clawson is the better fit, and they and they don't go with him, and they go with someone else, wouldn't I like? How would I not be disappointed if Clawson's my one A?
2: I just think if it's that, I think if it's that tight, right? Like, do you do you think do you see it as like Clawson? I guess I guess I'm evaluating you differently. So, do you see it as Dave Clawson like one, and then like big gap, and everybody else?
1: I don't think the gap is is incredibly large, no, but I think Clausen is the clear cut one for me. Fair.
0: I mean, I just think in a world
1: where I'm not gonna be depressed, Mike, but I'm gonna be disappointed. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, fair
0: enough. Like in Virginia Tech status as number four or five in the hierarchy of head coaches, no one that's realistically within our grasp. Is this perfect candidate?
1: No, I think we're no, dealing no, with a number no, of candidates with a number no. of flaws, and it's kind of just
0: pick your poison.
1: I Agree. Well, I don't think it's picking poison. I think it's it's finding the guy that you're willing to bet on the most. And if I had to find, if I had to go with any of the guys so far that have been named that I think are realistic, and I'm not including Campbell in that because I don't think he's realistic, uh, then Dave Clausen's the guy. And and, and I, I think it's I think it's clear.
2: And maybe more importantly, what are you betting on? What specific traits are you betting on in your head coach? Right?
1: Like if you're betting, I'm betting on a guy, on someone who is a fit for the program, but you
2: don't know that though. And not, we don't know that. We don't know that with any of
1: these guys though. Okay. Well then Mike, we don't know anything. I thank you. All, all right. Sorry. So we should just not have this conversation. then. No, we should, we should have the
2: conversation. My, my point, my point is that, it depends on what you're looking for in evaluating the job, right? If you're with, are you looking for a guy who's proven that he can coach on field, right? Like get the most out of at least one side of the football offensively. Um, Are you willing to bring in like the cons against Klassen are if you bring him in and your entire program under Beamer was built on a real clear defensive identity, you're not going to have that with Dave Clausen immediately. You're not going to know. Like he's got to bring in the right guys on that side of the ball, right? And so, is he
0: going to ditch his folks from Wake?
2: Well, see, that's that's the big, That's that's a huge question, right? If I'm Wit and I'm saying, okay, we're hiring Dave Clausen, and Clausen's high on my list too. So I'm not, I'm not like totally shutting it down. He's very high on my list too. But if I'm if I'm bringing in Clausen, the question is, who's your defensive staff gonna be? That's the very first question. If I'm Witt, I'm asking him who you hiring on defense because you can't bring your Wake Forest defense with you. It won't work.
0: Right. And, and on the other side too, like, I don't think Virginia Tech's football program is going to get where the fan base wants it to be, where, you know, the administration believes it can be without reasserting itself as a force recruiting within the Commonwealth of Virginia and the neighboring states. Are we confident that Dave Clawson is the coach that can inspire? I mean, when Mike was mentioning a bunch of the pros for Charles Huff, and I know Charles Huff's got a ton of unknowns on the on-field coaching side. Where with Dave Clawson, you know, you have a plethora of data points from over the years that he totally can be that guy. But is Dave Clawson the guy that's going to reassert Virginia Tech as a force that can out-recruit North Carolina, compete with, you know, the Penn States and Ohio States? for a high level recruiter too within the commonwealth i I just don't know because again part of him doing more with less is that he's never really been in the running he's been a talent evaluator a guy that's brought people from the two-star level to the all acc level can he recruit at a high level i'm not saying he can't i'm just saying we don't know i guess
2: here's here's the thing too right like we're all harping on recruiting it's really it's really really important right it's extremely important but like the player issues, development
1: is more important
2: yes at virginia tech player development is more important than recruiting this has always been a player and development the, and that's program.
1: why this goes back to fit i just
2: and, and Dave Clawson, Dave Clawson has done more than less. That's clear. More with less, right? That's clear on one side of the football. I'm not clear on him being able to develop talent on defense. Like the offense would certainly be better than it has been this year. Would the defense be any better? I don't, I don't know. Could it be worse? I you know, could be. Um, I mean, there, there are questions, there are questions there. My My thing is like, I think what a lot of fans are weary of with Clausen is that if you bring him in, yeah, your offense will be improved. Your defense might be about the same and your recruiting might be about the same. So isn't it just like, okay, you're getting a guy who's, you know, won seven or eight games at Wake Forest. And then what's that, that's where the ceiling question comes in. It's like, okay, can he, get the recruiting class in can he have a defensive staff that's competent enough to kind of overcome the issues that he's had at Wake Forest are you banking on on that a guy who's been there done that at Fordham Richmond and Bowling Green and then Wake or are you betting on a guy who's been on Saban staff right whether it's Napier or Huff or um, you know god I just can't see Virginia Tech going after chadwell or or healy i just don't see it Jamie,
1: jamie chadwell or will healy will be an epic disappointment yes as far as i'm concerned i don't think either of them are particularly qualified for the job i'd have a hard time duke
2: yeah that's that healy or chadwell the duke would be i think a a better like stepping stone and then if they do it there then you can start talking about okay now they've done it like uh a, a p5 school lower level can they can they push that forward um and they're young you know that you're, they're young they have time i just i don't think they have the requisite experience everybody's killing clausen for not having the requisite experience and then they'll, they'll bring up healy or chadwell and like what are we, what are we doing here <laughs> like we're gonna argue that we're gonna argue out of one side of our mouth that clausen doesn't have the experience and then say say that we want chadwell I'm like, what, what are we, what are we doing? So, I mean, if you're look, if you're looking at it from what standpoint, I mean, the, the top three traits you want in this Virginia tech job. And I know he mentioned like a billion of them in the press conference, you know, some of them were word vomit, but essentially he wants player development, recruiting, and, you know, a guy who fits into the Blacksburg culture, whatever that means uh in
1: in no particular order it means not dan mullen and it means not hugh freeze right (laughs) right
2: but i feel like that just it leaves the door open for basically everybody else like i don't think i don't think it's really a true like uh qualifier you know what i mean because i mean like it is for the french
0: after justin fuente and how he kind of dug himself in a hole with his closeted personality at least is closeted public face. You need someone as a candidate that's going to be able to inspire not only the confidence of the fan base in an opening press conference, but the, you know, inspire the big donors as we're trying to raise 400 million freaking dollars to improve this thing. That being said, most of the main candidates who are being floated out there fit that bill.
2: I mean, I could I just, that's it's...
0: for a reason. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I could just pick a con with every like I mean, I guess this is with every coaching search, but with all the guys that are rumored, like you can pick you can pick cons, right? Like see the Napier Napier one's interesting because like the only con I have against Napier is like how do we know it's not another Fuente? But it's like he's gone 31 and five, he's coached on good staffs, like he's been able to raise a recruiting profile at Louisiana which is something in and of itself. Like there, there's a lot to like there. I just, I don't know if we're his top choice. Like how much stock do we put into that? And if he ends up in Blacksburg in a day, I guess nobody really cares, but uh, I mean, there, there, the, the cons with Clawson are, you don't know what you're getting recruiting or defensively. The, the cons with Huff are, you don't know what you're getting in game. I think the recruiting would be good with Huff um, because he was, a tireless recruiter at Alabama and he knows the state of Virginia and, and knows the Tidewater area. Well, so I do think recruiting would improve in state with Huff, but then the unknowns are like, what's the staff look like? What does in game management look like? Cause we only have a few data points. Like
1: what role did he play in p- player development at Alabama? We don't kn- We don't really know. Right. What he did at Bama other than the fact that he was an ACE recruiter.
2: Right. And he was the associate head coach at Bama. Which the title sounds great, but like, what what, what all that did mean? that entail? Right? What does that mean? What all does that entail exactly? So, I mean, there's questions there. Um, Chadwell, it's like, okay, he's never coached at a P5. Healy just try to get Charlotte on track for. I know, I know, they went to a bowl. Healy game and so, Chadwell
1: but, aren't worth discussing, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think
0: Chadwell is worth discussing, insofar as I can envision a scenario where it happens. I, I would not be happy with it. Healy, there's no chance. I don't consider him to be a serious candidate.
1: Who, who do I'll you tell guys? You what, if they hire Jamie Chadwell, this podcast after that hiring will be uh, wild. Will be. It'll be wild. It'll be nuts.
2: It'll be It'll be off the rails. Like we go off the rails a lot. Basically,
1: Andrew will introduce us really quick. He'll do the Main Street Farm read, and then it'll basically just be Ricky. Go ahead and yell at the mic for for 15 minutes uninterrupted
2: mike say you just say i agree (laughs) we can move on to the next thing (laughs) Um, rate review subscribe yeah rate review subscribe (laughs) at the end what is um let's hit on let's hit on this real quick I, i know we're running long or whatever but let's hit on this real quick if there's a coordinator out there that you would get in the mix who would it be there's there was like one, one guy or, or two guys, I mean, I think the, the two for me are, uh, Freeman at Notre Dame defense coordinator, Elko at AM. and we already talked about Elko, but Elko can coach defense on the moon. <laughs> like he's unreal. Freeman, I think might be held in the same regard in like a year or two, but he's just a little bit younger, um, than Elko, but he's starting to prove that he can kind of coach defense all over the place too. So uh, you have an opportunity to to get in on on those guys early. You got the Freeman connection with you know with uh, you know coach with Fickle at Cincinnati, so you know wit knows of Freeman. Like Freeman's been on that staff a while, you know before going to Notre Dame. So there's a little bit of a connection there. I mean, it, is there an assistant that stands out to you guys? Are those two or otherwise?
0: No I've one else I would consider other than the two mentioned.
1: I've, I've said his name before, but Tim Beck at NC State, I think, is an, an extremely unlikely candidate, but I do think he's qualified. Um, he's coached at a ton of different places, coached at Ohio State, um, coached the Ellinger, Ellinger era at Texas, and quarterback play was never really the issue there. Uh, Devin Leary's having a great year under Tim Beck this season. Um, he's never been a head coach before and that's obviously kind of concerning. Uh, but if, if we're looking at strictly coordinators, I think Beck is, is at least worth discussing. I'm also a fan of, of Freeman. Um, if there was a coordinator that we were going to hire, it would pro- I would probably want to take him to be quite honest. Um, Elko is definitely someone who's obviously, like you said, he can coach defense anywhere. Um, so, but I, none of these coordinators really kind of get my eye, right? Like, for me, it's it's Clawson is number one. Napier is probably number two. After that, I, I no, no one really stands out to me outside of those two candidates. Um, left, which was always a, a pipe dream. So, for me, the I, if, if Tech doesn't hire one of those two guys, I'll be really disappointed. Like, kind of going back to Mike's, like, you know, when we were talking about what the disappointed means, like I'll be really, really disappointed if tech doesn't hire one of those two guys. Um, unfortunately, I think there's at least a fair shot that happens.
2: I would say if it's not Lawson, Huff or Napier and it's not like a home run guy that we haven't talked about yet, then I'm going to be probably more underwhelmed. Like I don't like, I I'm going to have a hard time. Like with Chadwell, and, and I'm sorry to keep coming back to this, but, like, Chadwell's offenses that that he runs, like, it's like the modern triple off, uh, triple option out of spread. Like, it's interesting, but I don't know if it would work. And there's just so many questions. Like, there, there are more questions than the answers when you get further down the list because that's why the guys are further down the list. Um, but if you guys had a home run, like, a home run type candidate, that is probably pretty unlikely head coach coordinator elsewhere coordinator at the NFL level you know we, we talked about left which like if there's a home run guy elsewhere like who would be your one your one pick
1: I mean it's probably Campbell right at, at Iowa State yeah I think that's I most- don't I, I don't think there's I don't think there's anyone else that's even even remotely possible, that would be a better hire. Um, what he's done there has been phenomenal. He's not going to stay there for much longer, obviously. He's he's going to have too many bigger schools come calling, and hell, he may even leave this year. So it's for me, the most it would probably be Campbell.
2: It's the most realistic out of the unrealistic, I think, um, Campbell, because Iowa State it's just kind of like this job that just kind of exists out there and it's going to be in like the big 12 wasteland in a couple of years. And
1: the future of that program is, is murky. definitely up for, is cloudy for sure. I could,
2: I could see him entertaining other offers. And, and you know, I, I love Luke fickle. I just don't think there's a prayer. He comes to Blacksburg. I didn't think it last year. I certainly don't think it now that Cincinnati's in really good shape to make the playoff, <laughs> um, especially with everything that happened last weekend. They're, they're, probably more likely than not to make the playoff now so i i just don't i don't see it um so i think he's probably the most realistic of the like unrealistic guys so random
1: name that we haven't mentioned that in terms of like just off the wall coordinator alex grinch at oklahoma
2: i like him too i
1: have no idea what his connection is to the mid-atlantic my guess is that it's nil (laughs) But like, if you're looking for, can a can coach a, too. If you're looking for a coordinator that can coach, it, I mean, Grinch can coach for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I look at, you know, the checklist that Whip Babcock made, Power Five experience has gotten it done. You look at the goal to compete in the Coastal every year, and it's hard to look past Pat Narduzzi.
1: No, oh <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding,
0: I'm kidding, Josh. I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: Mike, you need to mute Andrew right now. That's that,
0: that's a mutable
1: offense. Like a total reality. I, I
0: was between that and, saying, uh, you know, we have national championship aspirations. So, less miles might fit in well in Blacksburg. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, Matt Campbell. I I don't think it's gonna happen. That'd be cool. I, I I have a hard time envisioning there's gonna be any like home run candidate that comes out of left field where like fan base is like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And it not being Matt Campbell.
1: Like, I don't know if you guys remember in 2015 when tech hired Fuente, but there was almost unanimous approval when he got hired. Oh yeah. Right. Like there were, there were very few folks that didn't buy into that hire right away. Whoever gets hired now is not going to have that same kind of reception.
2: Unless it's Napier. In my opinion. I think the Napier, I, not not for me personally. I'll be like, ah, you know, this is this is the G five guy this year. But I think a lot of fans are behind that, and I'm cool with it. But I'm so I'm so soured from the G. And it's probably not fair to a degree. But I'm so soured from the from the G five just based off of what just happened that. Maybe it's a little unfair to Napier, but he's got a lot because his qualifications are really good. And he, he's got a really good coaching record at Louisiana and stuff. I just.
1: Well, hindsight is 2020 with Fuente. And if you go back and look at his experience, it was really predicated around two quarterbacks. Yeah. Both of whom were just really talented guys. Right. Whereas Napier at least has kind of. He's been responsible for, for a lot more than just the development of two quarterbacks. One of which was an NFL starter for quite some time. And the other was a, a first round draft pick who flamed out.
2: I will say, I think my, my concern about Napier is a little bit unfounded in so far as like Napier, the coach himself. <laughs> like It's like my, my criticism is, is not even criticism in Napier. It's more just uneasiness because of what just happened with Fuente than anything else. It's got nothing really to do with Napier. I think he's a, he's a good coach and he's, he's done well everywhere he's been. And, um, Yeah, that's just, I don't
0: know. I mean, like, the criticism of Napier, if you're looking for one, is that his offenses have been lackluster and trending downward at Louisiana, playing against, you know, a pretty poor group of five division in a situation where he asserts himself as the guy that's going to call all the offensive plays. And at the Power Five level, calling the offensive plays, you look back to his time at Clemson, look at his time at Arizona state. The numbers weren't exactly popping up the charts. I mean, he got fired at Clemson. I mean, that was 10 years ago. You can learn from your mistakes in a sense. You can almost see, you know, failing and then coming back and reasserting yourself as a, a top candidate to be head coach as a positive rather than negative, because, you know, making adjustments and, and, recreating your strategy is an important thing as a coach at any level but I mean you know again if there was a perfect candidate for the job he would not be a candidate for Virginia Tech because (laughs) LSU would be crawling for him
1: (laughs) yeah really and that's that's something that you know I've been trying to point out to folks really for the last several weeks is that there's a lot of competition on the market this year. And whoever, you know, guys or or programs like LSU or USC or Florida hire, they're going to create openings elsewhere. And those programs that they pull from are likely going to be more comparable to where Virginia tech stands. So that's, that's my worry is that you get schools like Baylor that end up having to hire a head coach because Dave Aranda has gone elsewhere, or you get a school like Iowa state, that ends up having to hire a coach because Matt Campbell went elsewhere. Um, those are the, the 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 movements that end up worrying me the most because ultimately schools like USC, LSU, and Florida are going to hire established head coaches.
2: And the the thing too is like, I, it is it is good for Virginia Tech that one of the coaches that's very high on their list is also high on. LSU and Florida's list like okay we're swimming in the right waters right so I I try to keep telling myself that when you know I sit here and I'm like ah but Napier's from the group of five and look at what just happened it's like yeah but LSU and Florida have him on their short list so I mean could it really be be that so bad bad. (laughs) right yeah like could it really be could it really be that bad or when I or when I sit there and tell myself but he was fired from Clemson 10 years ago it's like yeah but LSU and Florida want him, so you should want him too. It's like, yeah, okay. Which is
0: why when we hire Chadwell, we'll be justified in <sighs> being mad we're, about it.
2: I'll just have to talk myself into the fact that we're just early on it. You know, we're early on it. We're, we got in before everybody else. You know,
0: we, we saw what no one sending. else saw. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. We saw what nobody else saw.
1: Nope. Yeah. Not me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to figure out ways to spin it. And I just don't know <laughs> that we're going to be able to. So yeah,
0: we've been going for too long. Are we going to beat Virginia
1: now? Um, I mean, we're still going to do a preview pod, right? For, for this game. I sure I, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we should. Um, early yeah, thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Early thoughts are no, Virginia Tech's not going to win this game. Um. I was shockingly optimistic last week, and I bit the bullet hard. So uh, negative Rick has returned. Tech is probably going to lose to Virginia. I really hope I'm wrong. I do not want to see those people uh, celebrating for another 365 days. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's all going to come down to whether or not Tech's defense shows up if, if they can even keep Tech in the game because we all know Virginia can score. Um, real quick, before we move on, Tech basketball has played, what, two games? Or is it just one game since we last recorded? We just record. one game, right? Yeah, yeah just one, one game. It was the, the Merrimack game. Merrimack. Um,
0: I know all of our listeners had that circled on the calendar.
1: Yeah. The, 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 the important thing to mention is that Tech does have a few – some big games coming up, um, tomorrow, actually, uh, tech plays Memphis in Brooklyn at nine 30, which is just a hellacious time to, to play a basketball game. And then in two days later, the day after Thanksgiving, they get either Iowa or Iowa state or Xavier. So, and then after that, Maryland. So for the next week, we're really going to learn, I think a lot about tech basketball and where they stand. Um, and hopefully they're willing to meet the challenge. Memphis is going to be a tough, a tough pull for sure.
0: Yeah, don't they, doesn't Memphis have like some six ten point guard or something like that? That feels like a tough defensive matchup. I hope not. <laughs> uh, I'm be exaggerating at six ten, of course.
2: Memphis, Memphis has a real good team. Um,
1: I mean, they are ranked top ten for a reason. Yeah, um, yeah, now they're they have... up. Imani,
2: Imani Bates is an yeah. issue for sure um and he's been really good I mean Memphis if you're looking at Memphis I mean they oh, have well, there yet.
1: there's a familiar face on this roster <laughs> Landers Nolly Mr. Nolly Landers Nolly yeah how awesome he is
2: their sixth man <laughs> so yep that adds up uh yeah I mean he's Galen,
1: a Jalen Duran freshman Duran. He, yeah. Yeah. Duran center. Yeah, he's good. Um, he's out, he's actually their leading scorer. Yeah. Um,
2: so, a tough yeah, matchup. I
1: mean, it, it, it's going to be hard. Like this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before the season started about, you know, tech's issues, at, you know, kind of their, their depth issues at wing. They're going to get tested over the next few games for sure. Uh, and this will be a huge test. I am curious to see how Landers performs against his former team and how tech is able to defend him.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. it will be interesting. I mean, I I forgot that Nolly up until a couple days ago, forgot that Nolly even transferred there and was on the roster, but remember
1: he transferred there and then he was like in limbo because they thought he was going to go pro. And then I guess they finally (laughs) got it to him that, Hey, you're not a pro prospect right now. Go to school. <laughs>
2: yeah, or you're not so. a pro prospect like ever because he's. I <laughs> uh, mean, 35%.
0: he's got he's
1: got talent. Like he's got <laughs> some talent. He's definitely he's talented. got some other things that he's got to figure out, but he's at least got some skills. Agree. I would I would love to have his kind of skill set on the roster at Tech. That's for damn sure.
0: I don't think he fits the Mike Young system.
1: No, no. That's why. That's why I I specifically said skill set <laughs> because. Uh, <laughs> I don't really want Landers, Nolly the person in the program that I, I don't.
0: That's fair. It's more than fair. <laughs> I'll reserve my thoughts to agreeing with you. <laughs> Is there anything else we want
1: to hit on before we wrap this up? Um, obviously rate review, subscribe. And um, yeah. no, dude, we'll- Nikki Giovanni's everywhere. She talked to the football team today. I saw that. Jeremy Counts effect. Yeah, man. You, you talk to Jeremy and they're just it, – it's almost like nobody had ever heard of Nikki Giovanni until she <laughs> – Until she, until <laughs> until she, she swung through. Main Street, Main Street Pharmacy. Pharmacy. <laughs> and now she's talking to oh. uh, Division I FPS Power 5 football program. You know, she, she's going places, man.
2: You know, we brought it. We brought the fact that she had visited Main Street Pharmacy. Nobody had ever heard of Main Street Pharmacy until listening (laughs) to this podcast. Nobody knew who Nikki Giovanni was until listening to this podcast. Now she's everywhere. She's having lunch at the White House next week. Unreal.
0: You should leave it at that. The the (laughs) places you can go
1: from Hokie Hangover. It's just, it's phenomenal. We're We're building businesses. We're building careers
2: we're put it we are putting Nikki giovanni on the map
0: we are we are <laughs> just mending the world i suppose regardless we are we're we are cr-
1: trying to reverse the decline of western civilization since rick Stockstill still has yet to take on the task
2: i mean he has climbed up my list certainly <laughs>
0: It's like I swear to God, I've been camped outside the Murfreesboro, <laughs> Tennessee airport for five days, and still nothing. <laughs> Andrew,
1: Andrew, feverishly control F's on his keyboard on the flight tracker to see if he can find Murfreesboro. <laughs>
2: I have, I, I have heard that there was a photographer. Hiding in a tree outside of the Blacksburg Airport today, so that's a story for a different day. But I which I say, I'd Jeremy,
0: go back to work.
2: I just thought I would slide that in there. It's officially coach season. We got photographers hiding in trees to see who's going to be on the runway at it's the. It's not convention. that
1: important, y'all. Yeah,
2: get out of the tree. It's 35 <laughs> degrees outside.
0: Go to class. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we're going to be recording again in, like, less than 24 hours, I suppose. Yeah, like probably eve- tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: On the even of Thanksgiving, so we'll cut it short here. Main Street Pharmacy. Cut it short. This <laughs>
1: podcast is like an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs>
0: Okay, let me rephrase. <laughs> I need to go to bed. There so. we go. There it is. <laughs> so you guys are done. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. This is, Jeremy, this is Main our street fault. pharmacy this is We love and you. I's we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Until then, go Hokies. <laughs>